Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Praise again to run his house today. Thank you for coming. Uh, I want to say to you, those of you that are watching online, come and check us out in person here on Sundays, 9 or 1030, if you are in driving distance. And also, I want to say thank you to those of you that might be in the house today. It's your first time coming here. And sometimes you come into the house of the Lord and you're thinking, these people you're looking at down your row, they might be a little bit better than you. There's a good chance that person probably outsends you 10 to 1. So don't be thinking those kind of things. We're all just sinners in need of the grace of Almighty God. So let's give God praise today, again, that we get to be in his house. So we've been in this series uh, called the Ten Commandments. I'm going to jump into the third one in just a moment. But a couple things, exciting things coming up. Hey, understand that two weeks, I think it's two weeks from today, uh, we have Father's Day. How many fathers in the house today? Raise your hand. Yes, want you to be here. We have a great time planned to celebrate all the dads here in the house. We're also going to unleash our fall men's retreat. Now, you don't want to miss the fall men's retreat. So you'll want to be a part of that. Please plan on making plans to be a part of that. We'll unleash that on Father's Day and the plans for that. But also, we got uh, we have Summer Explosion coming up for over here for the K through 5th grade. They're going to be starting that real soon. And also, we have our student ministry. If you have a student, 6th through 12th grade, they don't want to miss the camp that will begin June 26th through June 29th. Let's give God praise for all of the kids in the house and all of our volunteers and our workers. We're thankful for them and what they do to invest Jesus in all of our kids' lives. So here's what I want to do. I want to jump into this today. I want to read the first two commandments, and then we'll jump in moving toward the third one, okay? Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3 for the first commandment, it says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. It says, you must not have any other God before me. Commandment number two, it says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heaven, in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Thankful to Pastor Adam for sharing that last week. If you did not get to be a part of either one of them, please, please go back, check it out on social media, on our website, on our app, and be a part of that. So today, as we move forward going to the third commandment, I want to talk about God's good name. Now, when you think about names, we all have different names here in the house. And I began to think about us having different names, the meaning of names, what's behind the names, the implications of the names. I thought, well, I wonder what is the favorite names right now that people are naming their babies? So here's what I found out in going to the internet from today.com. The top five boy names uh, in 2022 are Arlo, Theodore, Soren, Atticus, and Felix. Very interesting names, right? You know, and you say, what about me? My name's Bob. That's cool. Bob's good. You know, Bob, Bobby, Dan, you know, Luke, a lot of Bible names. People name Luke, John, you know, but listen, don't name your kids Judas. Probably not a good Bible name, okay? You know, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to do that. Another name, don't name your girls Jezebel. Probably not going to be a good Bible name when you read about Jezebel or you read about Judas. But also, here's the top girls' names in 2022. Mauve, Maeve, 
Luna, Ariella, Adelie, and Eloise. Those sound like some old names, don't they? They're kind of coming back, you know, for the old names. You know, I was curious about my name, so I wanted to know what my name Terrell meant. And I read it, and it means thunder ruler. And my wife will say amen to that. You know, I just thought, well, you know what, that's odd, you know, when you look up the meaning of your name. Now, some people, when it comes to names, they're named names that I really feel sorry for them, and we need to pray for them, you know, really. Like this name here, I, I, thought, I just thought this was really odd. This lady's name is Crystal Ball. The next one gets worse. This next one here, her name is Crystal Methin, Methin. I mean, who would want to be called Crystal Meth? Anybody here? You want your name Crystal Meth? How about this name here, this next one? Tara Dactyl. Hey, Tara Dactyl. I bet she loves Jurassic Park, all of the series of Jurassic Park movies, right? But this next name, I just don't know if I want to be named this name here. Mr. Purr's fifth grade class. How many of you here want your fourth grader to go into Mr. Purr's fifth grade class? Raise your hand. No takers. So I believe I'd have to have my name changed. But when you think about names today, when it comes to God's good name, I was taught growing up not to use God's good name in any profane way. I was taught not to use his name to cuss or, or to be able to swear And so my question is this, and I want to ask all of you, are you taking God's good name seriously? Are you taking God's good name seriously? I remember vividly as if it was yesterday, I just got out of uh, junior high football practice. And me and my best friend was riding with another friend with his mom in the car. And we pulled up at the grocery store because she had to go in and get some things for their family before we got to their house. And then we were going to be picked up. Well, another car pulls up and me and my friend and my other friend is sitting up front there. They get out. A couple gets out. They start walking in. And we're just sitting there minding our own business. And all of a sudden, this guy turns around. He looks at us three. We had our windows down. And he says, I hope you get your GDIs full. And I was shocked. I thought, we're just sitting there. We weren't paying any attention to either his wife or his girlfriend or whatever the situation was. And, of course, he didn't abbreviate it. So we're talking about the third commandment here today. We're talking about. A commandment that this guy that I just told you about violated that many are breaking today. See, there is a swear affair that's taking place everywhere. There's people that they want to use swearing things and they say bad things and they say, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Or pardon my French or I didn't mean to do that. I just slipped out. Everywhere we turn, there's cursing and cussing, whatever you want to call it, profanity, whatever you want to call it. And whenever someone does this, it sends a signal to me that they have a very limited vocabulary. And it's very sad. It appears that our culture is in on a perpetual swear-a-thon. 
Now, let me ask this question. I was very surprised <laughs> to how many people raised their hand to this. How many of you here under the sound of my voice in the auditorium today, you've had your mouth washed out with soap? Raise your hand real high. Yeah, look at all the soapy people. Yes. You know what? If I would, be, I would be a little bit surprised for those of you that raised your hand because you had to taste ivory or whatever that soap was, that you're one that curses very much in life because that is some nasty stuff. You know what I'm saying? To have soap stuck in your mouth, you know, when it comes to trying to get you to not say things. But today, let's look at the third commandment together. I want to look at the meaning of it. We're going to look at the mentality of it and how it, how it applies to our lives today. So it says in verse 7 of Exodus 20, it says, You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished. Look at the person next to you and say unpunished. If you misuse his name. Do you understand what that's saying? If you use his name in a profane way, you're not going to go unpunished. So how many of you here are excited about living in the punishment of God? Raise your hand. Woohoo! I want to do that. Nobody. Because he says, you're not going to go unpunished if you misuse my name. See, God's good name is very special because it carries his personal identity. That God is a good God. And all the attributes that comes along with God that teaches us about in his word and in the scripture. So you don't disrespect the name of God by denouncing and pronouncing it in some kind of frivolous, flippant manner. God forbids us for using his name in a casual fashion. Why is that? Because God's name is different from every other name. Think about it. He's distinct from man. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's supernatural. And you and I are not. And he tells us over and over again to hold his name in high esteem. And yes, a lot of us turn our backs and we thumb up our noses at God when it comes to these things. We say, well, we say what we want to say without realizing the implications, the true implications of this and how that plays out, especially when it comes to how those words that people can say affects the people in our circles of life. Some Bible versions say, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, when you remember the word vain, the word vain refers to empty or emptiness or emptying of something. So it refers to making something irrelevant. So when we profane the name of God or we use coarse or profane language, we are emptying the name of God and making the name of God irrelevant. Every day we speak thousands of words. So let's talk about out of the lips. I think out of the lips, it's out of ignorance. A lot of times the things that we say and the things that we do. Jesus Christ's name is so holy, it's so hallowed, his, the words can't describe his name. It is the name above all names. It is the name and, and only in heaven and earth whereby we must be saved. So we don't want to abuse it and misuse it. I don't know if you know this, but in the Old Testament times, a devout Jew would not even pronounce the name of God. Matter of fact, if a Jewish person was reading the scriptures and they came to the name of God, they would either omit it or they'd skip over it or they would use some kind of symbol for the name of God. Now, if he did say a word, he would say the word 
Adonai, which means Lord. It's used in Judaism to be able to have a spoken substitution for the ineffable name of Almighty God. The name of God, pronounced, it was pronounced though once a year by the most holiest person in the nation, which was the high priest, on the most holiest day of the year, which was Yom Kippur, and it was spoken in the holiest of holies, which was in the temple. That's how much Jewish culture prioritized the name of God. Now we look in the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you hear anybody refer to the Gospels, that's what it means. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four sets of eyes that watched the life of Jesus and pinned down through the leadership of the Holy Spirit the time that they spent with him. But in Luke's Gospel in chapter 11, we find that the disciples come to Jesus and they wanted Jesus to teach them how to pray. In other words, is they wanted some kind of model. They wanted some kind of way, an outline for us to talk to God, for us to communicate with God. And Jesus begins to tell them, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What was the first thing that Jesus began with? He began with the fact that the meaning of God's name is to always be kept holy. And we don't dis disrespect his name, the name of God, by denouncing it, pronouncing it in a frivolous or flippant manner. I don't know if you know this or ever read this story. But in Leviticus chapter 24 in the Old Testament, there were two men that got into a fight. And as they got into this fight, one of the men cursed in the name of the Lord, used van God's name in vain. The people that heard it, they sent it back to Moses, and Moses talked with God, and they brought back the judgment of God. And God said to take them outside the camp, and the ones that heard it lay their hands on their head. And then everybody else stoned them, this person to death. Let me ask you a question. In your circle of life, each day that you walk, how many of you would tell me that there would be some dying people next week you're around? Raise your hand. Be a lot of dying people, wouldn't it? And it's sad to think about. Sad to think about that we've lost our total respect for God Almighty's name. Out of pure ignorance, I do believe it is. And God, listen to me, God does not play around with people who profane his name. So you say, well, I, I, I was ignorant of the fact that, that I was doing that. Yes, you're being made known now of the, of the reverence that we're to have for God's name. You need to realize the implications of how the, if we misuse God's name. And when you say GD, you're asking God to do something he doesn't do. God does not damn any person to hell. We choose a place called hell. We damn ourselves to hell by refusing the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God through his only son, Jesus Christ. But also, listen to me closely. Whenever you use the word hell in a flippant manner, basically what you're doing, you're making fun of the eternal punishment and judgment of God. And God doesn't play around with those words. Some people, they'll say, oh God, my God, or God Almighty, or Jesus Christ, or Jesus. When you say that, you're pointing at God 
in a roundabout way, you're blaming God. You're blaming God for your problem. You're blaming God for your pain. You're blaming God for your predicament. And you're making your Savior, if you know him in your heart, your scapegoat. Not good for God's good name. And I wonder if anyone really knows the Lord if they curse his good name. So out of the lips, come basically out of ignorance, how about out of circumstance? Maybe you get cut off in traffic. How many of you got, don't raise your hand, because a lot of you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> you get cut off in traffic and you get mad and you wave at them, but you keep four of your fingers down. Yes, you do that. But you might not realize that when they got cut off in traffic, maybe instead of you throwing some words at them or throwing a finger at them, how about you throw a prayer at them because you don't know what just happened to that person as the reason they may have not meant to cut you off. You don't know what just happened in that person's life. You don't know if something happened in that person's life that made them so distraught that they need our prayers. They need your prayers. They need my prayers. Or maybe it's a situation that something's happened at work, you know, and maybe your boss wants you to do something or something happens and you get mad and you flippantly throw out some words. Or maybe your employee, somebody that works for you, does something really dumb and it costs you money. You throw out some words. Or maybe it's at the ball field. Your kid gets thrown out at third base and you think they're safe and the umpire calls them out and you decide to call the umpire some choice words. Think about those things. It happens to people. And you know what? Out of a circumstance, it happens. When things aren't going exactly the way you want it to go or things aren't going right. Here's what I believe. People who know God the least are the ones that use his name the most. It's the truth. It is the truth. James chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 in the New Testament says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made right in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Some people say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I, I can't help it. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can help it. You choose to do what you want to, when you want to, how you want to, where you want to, and who you want to with. It's called free will that God is not going to mess with. So when you read this, which of these speech patterns reflects your true identity? Blessing or curse? You don't hear people going around and getting mad and say, oh, Buddha. You don't hear people going around and say, Mohammed, damn. You don't hear them saying that kind of stuff, do you? They somehow want to bring in the one true God, the one true God that gives each of us breath of life, gives us a heartbeat, gives us the bountiful blessings that flows from the throne of Almighty God. Wow. People curse they use profanity. They make, they make, when they do it, and they make irrelevant the one true name of God Almighty. And I truly believe down deep inside, every single person that does that, I think they really know the truth of what they're doing. 
Because God gives us a seed of faith, a measure of faith so that we can know him. So not only out of ignorance and out of circumstance, but how about out of arrogance? Out of our lips comes out of arrogance. Proverbs 15 and 28, listen to what the proverb says here. It says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The heart of the godly thinks, thinks. Look at the person next to you and say, think. Now look back to others and say, you think too. Right? We need to think before we speak. That's what he's saying. That's what a godly person does. Carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. See, an arrogant person's vocabulary in the face of God says, God, forget you. I'll say what I want to when I want to. Thank you very much. Now, how can a person who knows Jesus Christ, who has been forgiven and been cleansed of sin, has a home in heaven, how can that person trash the name of God? How? I, I, don't, I just don't get it. Proverbs 18 and 7 says, The mouths of fools are their ruin. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. I don't believe that they're a Christ follower. According to their witness, according to their fruit that they're portraying, they're not a Christ follower. If a person regularly and habitually profanes the name of God, I question, do they know God? And I'm sure you would too. It's awful easy to be a Christian here this morning. Do any of you have an urge to cuss me out this morning? Do you? Probably not. You're in the house of the Lord. But boy, when we leave and we go out there and we face some of the struggles, some of the trials, some of the situations, some of the problems, and some of the pain that all of us endure, we all go through stuff. That's when you're faced with either cursing or praising the God in heaven that gives you breath of life. And I just want to challenge you today. Think about it. Think the godly thinks carefully before they speak. Because once they come out of the lips, you sure can't take them back in. Just doesn't happen like that. And I don't know about you, but we're either coming out of a problem, we're in a problem, or granted, there's one coming our way. That's life for the godly or the ungodly. But boy, when I do hit those problems, when I do hit those valleys, when I do hit those circumstances, it hurts so bad. Boy, I want God on my side. Boy, I want God on my side. I know you do too. He never told us this would be the life of Riley. How many of you are old enough to remember the life of Riley? Okay, that's the old ones in the crowd. Okay. It's not going to be a bed of roses. It's not going to be. And so when life hits, don't let the enemy come in and tempt you to say something and roundabout way blame God for your circumstances. Does that make sense? Say yes. God wants to help you no matter what happens to you. Let me say that again. God wants to help you no matter what happens to you. 
So if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardon of sin, you've given your life to him, you're going to protect his name. You're not going to joke about his name. You're going to love his name. You're going to honor his name. You're going to glorify his holy name. Why is that? Because he's changed your life. Because he is God. He saved you. He's given you eternity. He's given you a purpose. He's given you love. He's given you joy and peace and a clear conscience. And he's given you a life beyond what any life could be given to you on this side of heaven. It's like this, if it's, say for instance you're in a burning fire and somebody breaks into that house that you couldn't get out of or that situation and they rescue you from burning flames and they get you outside and you realize this person has saved your life, are you going to trash that person's name? No, you're going to hold that person's name in high esteem from then on. And that's exactly what happens through Jesus Christ. He rescues us from a place that was never meant for you and me, only the devil and his angels, a place called hell. Look at Matthew chapter 15 and verse 11. It says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that comes out of your mouth. So a lot of people just give it lip service. You say, what do you mean? You ever understood what lip service is it's really it's something that doesn't appear to be sincere because the words that are being spoken are not followed up by any kind of appropriate action or behavior basically it would be called hypocrisy lip service like hypocrisy let me ask you a question how many of you here maybe you've tried to invite somebody to come to our church family and they said well i'm not going to church there's too many hypocrites how many of you know somebody like that there's too many hypocrites tell them to come on one more won't hurt a thing Because if we're not careful, at some point in time in our lives, if we don't watch ourselves, we'll all give lip service to something. We'll all be hypocritical. Right? So, with that being said, it reminds me of a story that happened to me one time, a situation. And I'm going to tell you the story, but some years back, I had a handgun that I wanted to sell. And I advertised it in the paper. A guy come to my home. And man, this guy right here, he was one of them type of people. He had a limited vocabulary. It was GD this, it was F this, it was all this kind of stuff. And next thing I know, pretty soon I thought, I'm going to drop, drop the thing about me being a Christian in my life. And finally I did, and I had the opportunity. I was in no way condemning him, but I let him know that I was a Christ follower. Well, man, he all of a sudden told me about the beauty of his wonderful church he goes to each Sunday. And all of a sudden, he just changed in the blink of an eye. There was no more words coming out of his mouth. It was all glory to God and God this and God that. And I thought, what is wrong with this guy? And he said, man, I'm sorry about those things I said. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to thee. He's everywhere all the time, right? But it is amazing that people flip on a switch when they find out that that you're a Christian, or, or sometimes people, they say, you don't look like no pastor. I've had people say that to me. You don't look like no pastor. What does, could you help me find out what a pastor is supposed to look like? I have not found it yet. I do know that it says to be, to, for us to be modest in appearance and all that kind of stuff. You're right, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what the, the word says. You know, it's our, it's our actions. We're to be ambassadors of Christ. But anyway, my point is when people see that and they want to apologize, no, God's everywhere all the time. He's everywhere at one time, God. So it's important that we understand that. And I, and I love it when I see people that violate the third commandment here, their reaction when they look like a, they've been electrocuted when you tell them you're a Christian. 
it's just kind of weird, but they're, so look at Matthew 15 and verse 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You might say, well, I've never said a bad word. You know, I just don't do that. But hold it. Hold it. There's a thing called euphemism. That is, that's those words that you substitute a mild, indirect, kind of a vague term for one considered it might be harsh or blunt or maybe offensive. In other words, is you take a nice-sounding word and you replace it with a word that doesn't sound so nice. In other words, is it'd be like this. A euphemism would be like you saying someone passed away or someone died. That's what I'm talking about. So you got to be real careful that you don't say things like it. Or you say, golly, or golly gee, or you say, gosh, doggone it, whatever you say. You know this correlation with that? The G correlation? Kind of like you're trying to replace and use that in place of something that sounds nicer than something that doesn't. Just something to think about. Let's think about our lifestyle. Look at Exodus 19 when we think about lifestyle. Look what God said to the people of his, his own people here that he's rescuing. He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. See, God promised to provide for them. God promised to protect them. And it also meant that they bore a responsibility for carrying God's name to the rest of the nations. So when others looked at Israel, they saw God's people. And they carried God's reputation. They carried God's name. It's just like you and I would carry our parents' name. Maybe your parents or something, or something happened that you got in trouble. And your parents may have said something to you like, don't you know that you reflect our good name? How many of you remember a parent saying that to you? Raise your hand. It happens. It happens. We reflect that name. But what name are we reflecting? Acts chapter 11, last part of verse 26 tells us it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. What is the term Christian? What name are we reflecting? A Christian simply means Christ ones or little Christ. That's what we are when you are a Christian. And as Christians, we carry around the name of Christ wherever we go. And I'm a Christian, and that I'm a Christian. And when you're a Christian, it means you have given your life to Christ. You've been forgiven of your sins. It means you've been redeemed. That Christ's blood that he shared on the cross has, re has justified you as if you never sinned before. And he sets you apart. He connects you with a church family. And if I do something contrary to that, I profane the name of God, and so do you. For any place you go, any words you say or anything that you do that brings reproach to the label of Christ, you have emptied, you have brought vanity to the name of Christ. And so would I if I'd done any of those things. First Peter in the New Testament in chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, if, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. 
You've got to understand as Christ followers, people are watching you. You cannot expect a person that's not a Christian to act like a Christian. And you need to be really careful about how you can be judgmental toward them and bring them down. Yes, there's times that we need to take the opportunity to, to be able to stand up for the Lord. But what I'm saying is, don't expect someone who's not a Christ follower to act like a Christ follower until they become a Christ follower. It's going to happen. But they're looking at us and it says, they're going to give honor to God by watching our lives and how that we live. Maybe we're the only Jesus that a lot of people in our circles of life will ever see. We're living a privilege. But it's also a huge responsibility and you talk about accountability isn't that amazing wow just think about that how are you doing with your talk ultimately how are you doing with your walk so what do we need to do you need to constantly critique yourself you say what do you mean critique myself the words and your life choices make a difference it's huge what are you using to describe a situation that happens to you what are you doing when a situation happens to a person how are you describing that you need to be critiquing yourself at all times what comes across your lips you need to be critiquing your attitude your lifestyle and ask yourself on a continual basis am i a true reflection of jesus am i a true reflection of the church how is my witness to a world when people look at me what do they think what do they think because there's going to come a day that you're done. Me too. Unless Jesus Christ is told by God the Father to come and get the church and you're part of the church. Your name is in his book. You have reservations. You're going to all be prostrate in a casket. Or you're going to be burned up in an urn. Whichever way you go. But you're going to be gone. My mother laid prostrate right here in front of this, uh, this podium here. I call it the Pentecostal platform. But anyway, um, she laid prostrate right here back in March. And we're all going to lay prostrate somewhere when we leave this world. And when people think about your life from that point on, what are they thinking about? What are they thinking about? What do they think of you? I'm a true advertisement, and you are too, of God. But is it love? Is it grace? Is it the forgiveness of Jesus? Do I honor the name of God? Do I obey this third commandment? So you need to critique yourself always, but also consider others always. Some people, especially in the public, they have not experienced the love of Christ who has cleaned us up from the inside out. And you can't act like a Christian until you become a Christian. So you've got to be graceful, but doesn't mean you've got to be condoning of what somebody does. Talk to your kids about the language that they hear. They're going to hear stuff, and you need to talk to them about it. You've got to consider what's coming in on the airways of your home. I mean, I've never seen such filth on a TV as what I'm seeing now that would have been shocking when I was a child. It would have never happened. And boy, you better, as parents, you better make sure you monitor this little device that everyone in this room is addicted to right now. Most likely, you're addicted to it. You don't even realize it. But when you hand one of these little devices to your kids, I hope and pray that you're monitoring what's coming in on it. That you've got some kind of way to make sure that there's a program that you can put on these to make sure. I just got my world rocked this past week of what one individual's nine-year-old son was getting on this device and they didn't even know it. 
very important. It's very important. Now maybe there's maybe there's someone you need to talk to that's in your circle of life. Maybe there's a friend or a family member. Or maybe there's a coworker, and you you talk to them about their speech. Talk to them about it in a good way, and say, "Have you ever really thought about this? You know, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. But have you ever really thought about how you use His name? Or just pray about it and ask God to give you wisdom in doing that. I think you can do some good if you do it in the right way. But so it boils down to is a legacy. So what do you mean? A legacy is something that's handed down. we're gone, we're gone. We, we don't have an opportunity to change that. The next generation sees you for what you really are. What will you hand off to future generations? That's the question. What will others say about me when I'm gone? What will others say about you when you're gone? That's the question. 1 Peter 4, 16 and 17 says, But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. So judgment's going to start with you and me. God's house so you think about your speech you think about your life you think about your walk you think about your talk you think about your actions and your attitude we're all going to get hit with things in life and I want God on my side and I know you do too you said you did but it even goes to a higher level in the words that Jesus said he said in Matthew 12 and 36 and I tell you this Jesus speaking he says you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Wow, that takes it to a whole nother level, doesn't it? Every idle, not when I'm mad, not when I lost my job, not when my wife or my husband says I want a divorce, not when I find out that my kid's addicted to some kind of drugs, not those things, no, just every idle word that I speak, I'm going to answer for on judgment day. Wow, what a whole new perspective. What we say reveals what's in our hearts. Words that come out of our mouth and across our lips as an indicator, is an indicator of what's in our hearts. And you can't solve your heart problems by just lip service, trying to clean up your lips and your speech. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with new attitudes and new motives, cleaned up heart, and a brand new start. Yesterday's gone. Today's a new day. And that's what I'm excited about. Because I know I want to carry God's good name, not only in speech, but in deed to have the richest of blessings and be able to be a witness for those who need him. And I believe you do too. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you for this amazing day. 
God, today, may we lift up and honor your good name. We're so thankful for the name of Jesus that gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary. Went into a borrowed tomb and on the third day he came out and the very power that brought him back to life is the same power that we access. And through that relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're thankful for it today. God in heaven, I pray for every soul under the sound of my voice, God. If in this area of life, God, it hasn't been what it needs to be. Their speech has not been that of godliness and they hadn't been really thinking about godly speech before they said God make them aware now through the conviction of your Holy Spirit we all mess up we all sin we all fall short of our glory God I pray in this particular area for anyone God to be helped God it would be this day to draw closer to you and be a light for you in a world that's broken and hurting as we continue to pray, is there anyone here, no one looking around, that you just want to lift your hand up and say, you know, pray for me, Pastor. I need to work on this area in my life. Just lift your hand up real quick. No one's coming to you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up across the altar. Thank you for your humility and, and to be able to lift your hand. Anyone else? I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Father, right now, God, as I pray with them, as they pray for strength, I pray, God, you'll give them strength, Lord today through the power of your Holy Spirit God to let the Holy Spirit convict them of these things and to have a speech no matter what happens in the problems and the circumstances and the pains of life even in the idle words they speak God to have a talk and a walk that'll be a light to the world but yet to show their love and honor and glory for your name bless them Jesus maybe you're here today and man you don't even know Christ and you're wondering you know I'd like to know this God you will not be able to clean up your speech or clean up your heart without the, the help of Jesus Christ and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you just thought you'd come. Maybe things have been thrown at you that's hurting you in your life and you need God's help. I'm so glad you're here. So if you don't know him in your heart right now and you feel him knocking on your heart's door, would you just lift your hand right where you're at and say, man, I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Just lift your hand real high, real quick. Just say, I need Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life this day. I need, I need help. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else, just say, I need Jesus in my heart. I need him to be the Lord of my life. Let's everyone pray and pray uh, for this time. No one prays alone. Heavenly Father, God, as these people are praying and asking for salvation, God, thank you for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. As they pray unto you, God, I pray, God, that they'll pray and ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of their life ask you to come into their heart ask you Lord to accept them as a sinner to be saved by your grace I pray Lord as we pray God that they believe in you as the Lord of all creation that gave his life on the cross for them now those of you that are praying just confess your sins to Jesus Christ say Lord I confess them to you I ask you to save my soul my life is If you truly pray this and believe this in your heart, that Jesus Christ was raised out of the tomb on the third day, it tells us in Romans 10 and 9 that you will be saved. Now, if you 
prayed that prayer and you've asked God to come into your heart like that, thank him for that and he will give you the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to go with you from this day forward. God, thank you for what you've done. We thank you, God, that you're a good God and you have such a good name. May we honor you, may we praise you, and may we lift up your name. And it is the name above all names whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Let's give him praise today, church. He deserves it. All right. Uh, don't take off. We're gonna. I've got a, just a couple things to tell you, but we're gonna go into time of giving right now, and I'm gonna say thank you for uh, your giving from your finances to be able to bring tithes and offerings unto the Lord. Uh, there's multiple ways you can do that. You can do that uh, on our app, on our website. You can do it on the kiosk out there. You can even do it tangibly as you leave with the ushers just be standing at the door. But thank you for that. We're gonna pray over that in just a moment. But if you gave your life to Christ, you lift your hand, you know you prayed through and you're born again, please take a card out of the back of the seat, fill it out, let us know that. We're gonna follow up with you and we're gonna help you in your walk with Christ and in the direction that you need to go. This is the new start that you have in Christ. But also, maybe you're here and you're brand new to Freedom Church today. I want to say thank you for coming to Freedom Church, and we appreciate that very much. If you would, take a card out of the seat, fill it out, as much information as you feel comfortable with, take it out to the info desk, and they're going to give you a gift to say thank you for coming today and to commemorate this day that you came to Freedom Church. But also, I want to ask you to do me a huge favor. Give us a three-peat. That means give us three Sundays to come and be a part of Freedom Church to make up your mind if this could be your church family, and if it is, we are so thankful we'll let you know about the next newcomers dessert so we can get to know each other better but if it's not we'll help you find the church for you because everybody needs a church family would you say yes to that say yes everybody needs a church family so i'm going to pray over the offering then i'll tell you one more thing and then we'll get out of here father we love you we honor you and we praise you thank you for the opportunity to give back to you today god it's all yours anyway all of our finances are yours God, we want to be a blessing like you have blessed us. So may we bless you back with tithes and offerings today. And may we be good stewards of that and being obedient to your word to do so. That we as a church can continue our existence of reaching people to know you, God. That's our heart. Locally, globally, and everywhere in between. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Next week is the fourth commandment. Okay. So I want you to come and be a part of that. Also, remember, how many of you know somebody needs a church family? Raise your hand. Raise your hand real quick. Hey, go out of your way to get them to come. If you need to, knock them out. Let them wake up in here like Mr. T did on the A-team. And we'll, we'll give them Jesus. Okay. But anyway, I love every one of you. Thank you for being here today. You guys are a beautiful, beautiful church family. If we've never met you, my wife and I will be over around the coffee bar trying to get some caffeine. So come over and meet us. We-